One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Dick Advocate on Danny Graham there after he grabbed his first goal for the lads in 28 games in glorious victory at Everton. OK, the podcast is going to be a little bit shorter tonight. This is the Wise Men Say with Stephen Goldsmith, joined by Gareth Barker. Do you want to explain why the podcast is going to be shorter tonight, Gareth? Because nothing works. Do you want to be more specific than that? I turned or tell com- the truth? I turned the computer on, it won't go back. He's broke off. a studio, is what is I turned, what, turned is the, what the situation off, apparently. Is. I was told to turn it off and on again, so I turned it off and it won't go back on. <laughs> All right, so we're in a little studio and um, time's getting us by, so I'm delighted to say that we are joined tonight by Chris Thompson, editor of A Love Supreme. Hello, pleasure to be here. Still, as, running, with that, usual. still running with that title, Chris? Yeah, we are, yeah. For, oh, this, yeah. for this season, anyway. Um, might have a new title next season, I might make one up. But you're not going to get yourself on the telly more. To be honest, I hate doing them. I Do hate you? doing television. So Martin's movies. just not stealing that off you. Martin's got a better haircut. Let's be honest. So he's <laughs> be, he's more suited to the to the television interviews. I'll stick with radio. To be honest with you. Okay, George Colgan is here as well from the Times. Glad to have you back, George. Um, Pleasure to be here. When was the last time you went a weekend without both northeast sides losing? Oh. Uh, it was 1981, <laughs> yeah. I think. Feels top, like it does. Head, feels yeah. like it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the win. You know, I've just said the glorious win there. It was anything but. But cliche alert at this stage of the season, the position we're in, that doesn't matter, right? I think that's exactly it. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, when a team has a bit of momentum behind it, that can you know that can happen, and that obviously started at started at Stoke a little bit. Uh, I was at the Southampton game, and that felt you know that felt like. Uh, something sort of, you know, uh, kind of moving on from that, and then you, if you take that, if you take that sort of attitude into into games, you, you know, there's a habit of things coming off here, and that's obviously what happens at Goodison. I tell you what, Chris, um, Danny Graham, he epitomises the resurgence in form, doesn't he? Uh, because I mean, you know, we, we love to come on here and talk about tactics, formation, systems, and all that stuff, but you know, getting to the the bottom line, you want 100 percent effort first and foremost. See where that takes you. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, he's actually got to be on the pitch because, let's be honest, for the last two years he hasn't really played that much. So if he had got a few more games, then, he, then we might have seen a, a higher work ethic from him. But yeah, certainly, I mean, obviously the work ethic had no kind of correlation with the goal he scored the other day. But the fact that he's in that position, maybe that's uh, maybe that speaks length. But obviously, you know, we, we saw a few quotes from Gus Poyet today saying saying how he didn't have any luck as manager of Sunderland, and, and it looks like Advocates. Quite quite a lot of luck mm. since he came in. I think that's. I think it's been downplayed a little bit by some because I mean, Tim Sherwood sort of has Aston Villa flying and everything like that. But the bottom line is, Sunderland have three wins in five games, and yet the general consensus appears to be that we are stumbling across the line again. Yeah, I mean it's another late season resurgence, isn't it? And statistically, Advocates done a fantastic job. Whether he remains in the position this time next season, or, or you know, even in even in September. Remains to be seen, but uh, let's see how these last three games pan out and we'll we'll go from there, I suppose. I'll tell you what, Gareth, as well, the whole time Danny Graham was a little bit rubbish for Sunderland before these last few games, he never got hounded out because of his Geordie roots, did he? No, no, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> to be fair, Danny Graham, though, like he, he's always tried when he's played 
you can question his ability, but that can he be sorted his fitness levels out yeah, clearly. Yeah, but that can be said. That can be said of many of the strikers that are currently on our books and ones who left recently, including Altidore, Fletcher, Wickham to an extent, who's been very good since since Advocat came in. So I don't know. I think you know when when you think about twenty eight games, but that's over the course of two seasons. It doesn't really seem that many games over the course of two seasons. He's never had a run in the team. You know, I know Craig thinks this, and we've talked about it on the pod before. But you feel as though someone like Danny Graham, if he'd been given runners in the team like certain players have been, then he probably had to have a few more than one goal that went in off his inner thigh on Saturday. He was. I thought he was great against Southampton, actually. And I, I mean, I, I actually thought he was brilliant, and he wasn't brilliant at all. He just did the basics. But yeah. that that was he did the basics spot on, and that attitude rubbed off not only on his teammates but rubbed off on the crowd and it was great to see that because he was here's here's a fella who's got every excuse you know not to do it or to give up or to hide or to shirk or whatever and it was it was him I thought who was the sort of who was the architect of that victory, and it's interesting because really. that takes us back to the I've mentioned this before but it takes us back to the Queen's Park Rangers game at home when we we rolled over the first half second half we put in a spirited display and uh, despite QBR being bottom and hadn't won away in about a million years or something, the crowd actually got behind the players in the second half because of the application the players put in. You know, they started a scrap for every ball, win, try and win the second balls. And Gus Poyet came out and sort of separated himself from that style of play, didn't he, and said, I'm not your guy if you want that. And that was the first time I started to think, are you the guy then for a side like Sunderland and fans like these? Yeah, I mean, it was so strange even now thinking thinking back to that that, you know, he 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 suddenly decided that that the style he wanted, he didn't have the players to do. It. Well, that's probably fair enough. He didn't have the players to do it, but that in place of it, there was this anti-football, and it was. I mean, Joey Barton, who you know, he was made to look like Perlo that night, and no one was pressing him. He had all the time in the world to do what he wanted, and it was this bizarre, bizarre thing where. Not not just the things you expect from a Sunderland team, you know, the effort and the tackling and the pressing and all that sort of stuff, but there was just there was just nothing. It was anti-football, and um, you know, I don't think there's any great magic, you know, magic secret to what Advocat's done. It's about it's about getting a group of players to play somewhere near their potential. Mm. Um, you know, we know they're not the best team in the world, the best players in the world, but they they they're giving a toss and they're trying. And they're better than bottom three, aren't they? That's the issue some of the fans have had most of the season, Chris, I would say, that these guys... Because you look at somebody like Burnley and we say, OK, they're pretty maxed out. They've played to their maximum ability all season. Hasn't been enough. And we've always said that you feel with this Sunderland squad, although George has said, it isn't great. It shouldn't be in a relegation battle, really. Yeah, what I mean, do you think it should be? All you have to do is look at how much money we've spent on players. I know it kind of the price tag isn't necessarily a justification for how good a player is or, or a kind of measure of that, but you look at our midfields, you know. You've got Lee Cantamore there, who's still willing to pay something like five or six million for. You've got Jack Rodwell, who appeared ten million for. God knows why. And uh, Liam Bridcut, who, or, or Jordi Gomez, fair enough, we've got Gomez on the cheap, but Bridcut, uh, managers went out and, and kind of headhunted him. And we're in a position where we can headhunt players from the championship, we can, and we can, you know, get a get a fair share of players who maybe are not quite there to scratch the top the top teams. And I think, you know, players like Johnson, Fletcher, in the team, we really should be pushing for mid-table rather than relegation battling. And um, I think, uh, you know, discovering this late resurgence of form under Advocat is is probably a good measure of where we should have performed all season. You predicted we'd win by two goals before the game, Gareth. Is that how you had it in your head? Is that how it went? Not really, no. Was um, there a little bit more class involved in the way of things? 
yeah. sort of materialised. Well, it was more. I think the the it was the the battle that 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 seems to have appeared in the last few weeks that made me think. You know, we might nick a few goals. It was just a case of some of these chances that were being created and not taken after going eventually. Um, and the, were there the, chances? By hooker, by crook, <laughs> they, they did. Um, I don't know. I think you know. There's been a lot of talk this week about you know Sunderland being lucky. I mean, BD Sport. The coverage beforehand was ludicrous in the, the way they were going on, basically like Sunderland were cannon fodder. And then at the end, you know, they came out and said, "Oh well, you know, some people tried to write Sunderland off." I was thinking, "Well, yeah, you did write about <laughs> about two hours ago." It was just bizarre, but I think. You know the the luck thing. Yes, the goals the, the way they went in were lucky, but like like George was saying before, me I wouldn't go as maybe far to say it was anti football, but at the same time, we weren't getting players in the box. We weren't being, you know, committing. We weren't getting players over the halfway yeah, exactly. line. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so in this situation, you get four or five. I mean, you look at the final goal. There's three or four players in the box. You look at Graham's goal. There's three or four players in the box. You know, if there's one player in the box, it's got less chance of hitting off somebody and going in. It's it's just percentages. You got less chance of a ball breaking to somebody if you've got if you've got somebody there to take the chance, like Defoe did for the second one. You know, before maybe that would have just skewed wide and it would have been nothing. So you know, the the, the cliche is you make your own luck, but I think there is something in that, and I think something need to be given credit for the fact that the battle to stay in the game defended. There's, there's more than one way to win a football match. You can't just go out and play this scintillating football and that, that's the case for probably most of the teams in the bottom 10 they haven't got the ability they haven't got the quality in the squad they haven't got the the vast finances to spend and compete they, they can't attract um, certain players um, you know and the, te- the teams in the bottom like look at QBR and Hull who are in se- well QBR down Hull are in serious bother are going down the amount of money that they've spent and they've got no further, no further forward, and it's it's probably because they have to overspend on average players. And I think it's not it's not a simple. You can't just expect everyone to be be able to win football matches the same way. And, and Sunderland have found a way recently. Just well, kind of found the way. I'm not sure. <laughs> don't know. Saturday. Well, not kind of. They have. They've won three and I know, five. I know. So I know. They found I know. The way. All right, Chris. Um, other sides watching that would have been sort of. Oh, God, I can't believe Sunderland have, have fluked that. But we've refrained from talking on here about about games we should have won previously. Um, because I'm a believer in you know you you deserve where you finish, you deserve that you know where you end up. We've spoke about it before. The league table doesn't lie. All all cliches, but it's true. Um, however, we've been due that this season, haven't we? Because we look back at Adam Johnson getting a goal ruled out of West Brom at home. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. And that's cost us two points. Seb Larson getting fouled in the build-up to West Ham's winning goals cost us a point. I will never, ever get over the two handballs in the whole game uh, at 1-1 that the referee didn't give. And also their goal was, their equalising goal was lucky, wasn't it? It took a bounce off, a, off the surface and went in. So we were due one. Yeah, I mean, they always say these type of things even themselves out. I think, I think that's a cliche. I was trying to yeah, avoid. We're, yeah, we're still. I've already, uh, I've already put too many in. I, th- I think we're still going to be waiting for the, for it to even itself out because something over the years, some of these decisions that have won against us have been absolutely ludicrous. I mean, every every time we play a hole, as long as we keep away from Andre Mariner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's the thing. But you know, in terms of you know the second goal hitting off the phone going in. It's it's one of those things. It is lucky, but then would any other striker on the pitch have been standing where Defoe was standing? Would any other striker in the league have been standing there? Defoe's he's made a living from from that sort of goal, and it, it, it all counts the same, you know. But and that's exactly the point, isn't it? I mean, to, for for strikers to be in that position 
you know, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, if they're not there, then it's not going to happen. And the point is that Sunderland were, you know, were in were in the box and trying to score goals. I mean, I, I, you know, whether they're due it or not, I don't know. I think these these things just happen, and you have to make the best of it, and you have to, you know, you have to take advantage of it. And I, you know, it's it's just pleasing to see what's happened in the last two or three games because after the Palace game, you know, that that second half, mm. you know, I just thought, well, that's that's that, and that was because it was so. You know, it was so miserable. That one goal goes in, and then the other goals go in, and it was reminiscent. I thought of, of Villa. And you thought the new manager bounce had been and gone already that, by that then, was didn't it. you? And he said that day, "I am very worried." And mm. it was, yeah, well, too right, yeah. But you, you look at the the games he's had in charge, and like, like in point of the West Ham game, where you know maybe we we should have had a point in that, um, and the, the Stoke game, I think Sunderland probably should have won that game um, in the second half, um, beat Newcastle. The, the disaster in Palace and the rest of it. Um, I mean, it's 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 been okay. I mean, we haven't been unbelievable or spectacular, but at the same time, they've you know they've, they've done enough to they've done enough to, to get they've done enough in games to get to get wins, which we weren't doing before. Is anybody interested in Dick Advocate now? This was before the other games of the weekend, saying that one point should do it now. Um, which I mean. If Hull go out and win one of those two games, one point isn't enough for us because they've got a better goal difference. Are we, what, I guess my point is, Chris, what I'm saying is, we are seeing we feel this squad of players. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, can't afford to try and coast through games. They aren't good enough, and they, you know they capitulate when they try and do that. So psychologically, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this. Dick Advocat telling them one point's enough. Is that what this group of players needs to hear? You couldn't possibly comment really. I mean, you know, I, I don't quite know what to make of Advocat. To be honest, we had this discussion before we, we started doing the podcast, and he's he's very strange in his interviews, and he's you you don't quite know whether there is kind of method behind the madness or whether he's just you know he's just very short and he hasn't got patience for anyone i don't think he, i don't think he needs is to it madness would you say it? Hmm? it's not madness. madness just you know there's something behind the eyes there that you can't quite figure <laughs> out you know and it's like is does he does he care or is he just is he just doing this for you know for something on the side in his retirement <laughs> what else is he doing <laughs> well exactly yeah well, he, but... he, he owns a chip shop actually. He, he owns a chip shop um, uh, back, <laughs> back in Amsterdam so that's his main business no but I, I think he's almost released because he knows he's only here for a very short mm. spell of time his press conferences are actually quite funny because they are very very brief and you know normally journalists managers whatever you kind of feel yourselves out a little bit you, you know you, you know there's going to be someone's going to be there for a while there's 
are you going to have a relationship? All that kind of stuff goes on. Well, that's not, it's just not. He, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be friends with us. So he'll just say absolutely what, what's on his mind, which is usually a sentence of about four words. I'm convinced that he's, he's, he's happy that it's short term now because before the Crystal Palace game, he was getting asked the questions about staying on and stuff. And he was saying, well, the Sunderland fans will want me to stay on because I'm a good manager and we're going to stay up and all this stuff. Suddenly now it's like, no, well, you know, I think I'm out of here kind of thing. And you kind of, you, you wonder if he thinks... This is this long-term project is going to be hard work, and I'm not the guy to do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do the miracle, and then I'll move on. <laughs> yeah. then, I'll move that, then I'll leave you to the to the fall next season. Mm. Yeah. You'd be an idiot if you took the job. Wait, you, you, I mean, you'd be an idiot. What about as a sort of advisor? A lot of, that's why, quite a that's quite a why, popular uh, why get opinion involved? now. But we've got Lee Congdon. Why why would you get involved with Sunderland Football Club? Me, per- is me personally. Why, I'm just saying, why? Would, if you question. were him, you're a 67 year old bloke who's won all sorts of trophies. You're managing national team twice. The Premier League. He's got goal. absolutely nothing to prove, he though, has he? And he's not going to prove anything here because it's going to it's going to go. All he'll do, he'll go. Oh, honest. that was a bit of a failure at the end of his career, wasn't it? After he gets sacked in after 28 games. But if that's the season. case, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have came in and associated well, himself it, with the job. But he had, well, because it was a, a lot of people looked at it as a lost cause, so what do you have to lose? No, I think you're right that he's going to say that now. I'm just saying I thought it was interesting before the Palace game, his opinion seemed to be different. It seems to have changed now. And I'm wondering if that's what Sunderland does there as a football <laughs> club. We don't have a choice, that's the thing. That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean has it changed? Because he, I mean, he sort of said... Yeah, it's usual for me for people to think I'm great. I mean, so, but yeah. I mean, he was sort of saying that. But he, he he did say after the match of the weekend, and he says, no, 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 we will get a divorce or yeah. whatever. But it's kind of quite, quite funny. But yeah, not. I mean, I'm sure he'll get paid handsomely for <laughs> for staying up. So nice little nice little gig, really. If you talk about the style specifically, Chris, and, and the way he has Sunderland playing, um, the last two games, Lee Catamol has made tackles quite high up the pitch and they have resulted in chances that have led to goals, one a direct goal at Everton, one a penalty um, against Southampton. Now, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I liked what Gus Poyet was trying to do at Sunderland, but I think it's fair to say that under Gus Poyet, Catamore would have won that ball and the ball would have went sideways or would have went backwards. We're getting it forward quicker and it's just it's further proof that's to what we interject need. That, you kind of like what he, would do, what he was doing this season, last season. Last season, surely. I mean, there was a style there. There was a, you know, there was a there was a definite attempt to build something, to play football. But this season, that I mean, that just disappeared, surely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, w- I was a big fan of Poyet as well, and uh, you know, I, I do think we're a bit premature there, and I, th- I think he could have turned it around. But that's a different debate entirely. I loved what Poyet was doing, the way we were playing. It was, you know, f- the good times. It was a pleasure to watch, but. You know, if you're doing, if you're playing attractive football in your own half, it doesn't matter, does it? Because you're not scoring goals, or if you just, if you're not but, getting but players did, in the box. Was he even doing that in the end? Because I don't not know in what, the end, no. what, what, nothing I don't, like that. I don't know what he was doing in the end. He wasn't, he wasn't doing as Advocat is doing now, yeah. and and you know, clear style, uh, defend. You know, the midfielders chase about, try and get the ball back, get the uh, mm-hmm. ball forward quickly, defend two banks of four almost um, off the ball, have the two. The other two, three, you know, the two, the front three coming back and track them back because I've, I've never seen, never thought Defoe would be tracking back to the yeah. extent he is now. But he, so he wasn't going to that extreme, but he wasn't doing what he was trying to do before. He was a little bit lost, wasn't he? You know. 
Yeah, I the mean, identity was all gone. I don't know if there is a clear identity with Advocat, but certainly I, th- I think it's heavily based on work ethic and he's willing players to get forward whenever they can and obviously track back as soon as they can. The fact that Defoe was defending is remarkable and Defoe must obviously rate Advocat if he's came into a new club. There's this new manager coming and told him to start defending. You know, if you demand for you playing at Sunland, you don't need to do that, do you? You're already a Premier League superstar. You don't need to be told what to do by someone you don't trust. So he's obviously left an impression on the players. Do you think Defoe would have signed uh, that day if he if he found out his job description at Sunland was going to be uh, play play on the outside of a front three and you're going to track wing, back wing back? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, <laughs> and and you know, there have been games. Uh, I can't think which game it was. There's one particular where Defoe just looked lost, and it was like he looked Aston real, Villa at all. Might have been Villa, yeah. yeah. And he looked really really upset. And, Throwing his uh, hands in the air every yeah, time the ball didn't go yeah, near him and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and obviously, you know, obviously. Well, you know that's that's kind of welcome to the northeast, Jermaine. But um, but no, it's been you know it's great great to see him putting that putting that effort in. And as I said before, I don't think it's I don't think there's anything startling there. I think it is about getting players to perform to their level and and you know put put that shift in. But I suppose what that does take is you have to know what the manager's getting at. So and I and I think that is what was lost with Poyet by the end. That there was you know. They they weren't they weren't playing possession football and they weren't playing playing any mm. kind of football. Yeah. I mean, and I think you know that 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 whole identity was lost. This identity is pretty rudimentary, but it's effective, and they know what they're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. which is very important. Obviously, Gareth, I think if we had a list and it's labelled um, improved under Dick Advocate, you put Sebastian Quetelz on that list now. Definitely, alongside marked improvement. Mm, definitely, I don't, I don't know why that is because he looked useless before. Let's be honest. Well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because Poyet signed Quatez, and we know you know they're from the same country, but Quatez never looked like he was going to fit into that style of player, bringing the ball out from the back and knocking on the belt, does it? Because he looks like a typical British centre half, if anything. Maybe it's just because he had to do d- defend differently. Um, we've probably been. I wouldn't say deep, but he's almost been. You, you know, sometimes how you say forward players are, are given a license to, to you know, play without fear and take players on and all that stuff. It's almost as if our defenders as well are being given license to defend no nonsense, put the ball in a row that it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Where that probably wasn't true under Poyet. Uh, maybe not. I mean, if unless you're Van Anholt, when you just go running off with the ball. I mean, I, I don't know. He should have scored at the weekend, shouldn't he? With that, that didn't chance. even make match of the day. That know. chance. I didn't think it fit the narrative, did it? <laughs> so that, that's probably why not. Well, that's, that's what happens, isn't it? So someone does something good in a game, and uh, I watched the Leicester game, and I think that they showed an overhead pass that nearly he nearly played somebody in the left hand side. It might mean Villa or Leicester or something, and it was like an overhead pass that nearly put somebody in, but it was about ten or fifteen yards away, and I was thinking, how can that get into the highlights? <laughs> the, the tale told by much of the day was Sunderland snatch and grab a two nil win mm-hmm. through two deflections. No did intention. Did a little bit. <laughs> did, but did. I mean, they had a chance no, after right. about. Like they had a chance before, after yeah. about. They've been winching all, all season about not being about being last on match yeah. of the day. Yeah, but I know. I know. Yeah. But I mean, it goes back to what I said earlier, doesn't it? The the outside of impression of of what advocates doing has probably been underplayed a little bit. But we're used to that now, here, aren't we? It's probably for the best. Do you think? Isn't it? Probably for the best. Just do what you need to do. Get on with it and. Being, being underplayed after a win is mm. quite all right, really, isn't it? Mm. Well, you look at some a team like Burnley, who got, you know, everyone goes on about them and how fantastic they've been and all this. Well, they've only won one in or after Saturday, about two in fifteen games or something. So, 
you know, mm-hmm. if you get everyone tells you how brilliant and plucky and fantastic you are, and you've only won two and fifteen and been the first team relegated, then I think I'd rather be underplayed. Winds you, winds you up, doesn't it? About um, this sort of idea that Sunderland will look against Southampton because we won by oh, uh, by scoring two penalties. Like it's like penalties don't count in games, course they count in games. So deflections count in games. It all counts. You've got to get in players into the box to win penalties. You've got to commit defenders to win penalties. You've got to make teams make mistakes to win penalties, and that—that's their error. And you capitalise on it. That's how it works. But Bradford's first goal against us, whacked off O'Shea and flew in. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the thing is, when when Sunderland scores all the many own goals, a plethora <laughs> of own goals that we've scored in the last eighteen months, nobody says, "Oh, that he was unlucky." Be a DVD. No one says he was unlucky, do they? They go, "Oh, he's rubbish." They say, "Oh, that was rubbish from Sunderland," and laugh and laugh at them. <laughs> And then you know you can't have it both ways. It's you know it's it's just it's part and parcel of the game. That's what happens. Chris, I love Supreme DVD, ready for Christmas, the greatest own yeah, goals of Sunderland. Own goals and gaffs. Yeah. I was going to say the hundred greatest we goals, but that would probably narrow goals, down yeah. just the last two seasons, wouldn't it? And that would just narrow down to Wes Brown and John O'Shea. We'll get someone to present it who's doing the Empire this year. We'll get like Les Dennis or something like that. Les Dennis old his own goals and gaffs sponsored by uh, Les. Yeah, own goals good. and gaffs has been you can't bring that yeah, back. No, well you know we'll think of something <laughs> slightly yeah. different, but not as good. I know if one of those DVDs did get brought out now, we'd feature heavily on it, didn't we? I remember buying that as a kid. Being, yeah, suddenly I'd be. I, I remember getting that as a kid and almost being disappointed because Sunderland weren't on. And my dad saying, "You don't want us to be on something like this, son." I'm trying to think of any any howlers, but in the, but Virginie's own goal. This, yeah, Virginie's own goal. Yeah. Get in, obviously. But that, but that was you talking about Quatters. I mean, when so O'Shea goes off in the in the Southampton game, and it's Quatters and Virginia. I mean, I think I said at the time, well, okay, what what can possibly go wrong from this point? But they, mm. you know, by the end of the game, you weren't thinking about the defence at all because they did they did really well. I think Virginia's yeah, he's got issues, but I don't think he's anywhere near. <laughs> he's got, he's got, yeah, he's got issues. footballing issues. Yeah, or? but he's not. He's nowhere near as he's nowhere near as bad as people want to be. I think people go a bit. It's a, you know the, the high career tie that someone's awful or someone's has dipped a little bit yeah, since, has, since advocate. That's what you'd expect. Well. He's a player who's playing for a team who in, competed for the last eight years in the bottom half of the Premier League. You tend to find that those types of players end up at Sunderland because if they were better than that, they'd be some, playing for someone else. And that's just the way it is. He's, he, they're he, going to flitter in and out. He's of got form. something horrendous in him, hasn't he? I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's got the potential to do something absolutely horrendous. Yeah, well, it <laughs> hilarious <laughs> later, <laughs> but yeah, at the time, yeah. disappointing. <laughs> I just wish we could somehow incorporate him into the team without actually letting him play. Like maybe he's like halftime show or something like that because he is brilliant. It's just a disaster. <laughs> Ironic cult hero. I don't know. You could play him like last game of the season if we're safe. I reckon you should just play him like as a sweeper. Yeah. Against like just play him in front of the in front of the back four and he can just do do what he wants. Dribble, <laughs> dribble around, think it over people. He he likes to dribble. He's quite good at dribbling statistically apparently. So. Okay, I bet the listeners absolutely gutted that we've got to leave her there. We've got to cut it short this week. Apologies for that. That was pathetic, wasn't it? It, it just means there'll be more. Twenty-five minutes. It means there'll George be more on Thursday. But we do the Sun FM into the light. Well, Michael Proctor, we'll we'll speak about the game a little bit more. We've had to whiz through that, so apologies for that. But at least there is a show this week because we didn't have one last week. So <laughs> I will promise. It's going downhill week, for us. Well, it's, it's, I can't <laughs> promise anything. Next week, I think we might do a proper program. This is the first we've done about 150 podcasts or something in two years, and I think this is only this. This is the first time we've had two weeks of technical issues. So. Just, just don't press any buttons next week, guys. No button pressing. Don't no, press no, apparently, any don't at turn all. a computer off after being told to turn a computer off. Restarted, he said, not turn it off. Okay, you said, t- you said turn it off and on again, so <laughs> right, I turned it guys off. Guys are my witness. People are going to ask them. Okay, right. 
I'll not put you through all this. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.